This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. We have an iTunes review in Sweden. I can only say the Swedish iTunes, All right, iTunes reviews. This one is from Malinskis. Uh, he or she is giving us three stars out of five, but the subject is good. And Malinsky says, nerdy <laughs> history, the way we want it. Thank you, Malinsky. That's great. <laughs> I, I, we have 13 uh, reviews on uh, the Swedish iTunes list, and our average uh, grade is Not too bad. Probably that three-star one there brought us down a little bit, but hey... That's all right. I, I remember one time a guy did some work for me and I I thought it was great. And I gave him four stars and he said, what's the matter? And I said, I don't know. It was good. I thought, what's wrong? I'll give you five stars unless it's like amazing. <laughs> Please give us five star reviews on iTunes if you hear this. Okay. We are talking about Greek colonies today, right? Wrapping up the 630s BC, we have a couple of uh, cool Greek colonies. I'll just tell you them one at a time instead of previewing it. Because the first one is in okay. the, the Black Sea area. Remember, they say the Greeks were like frogs sitting around a pond eventually, and they are in the Black Sea. And um, the colony is called Sinope. It's different spellings and different ways. It's S-I-N-O-P-E is the way I have it here. Yeah, I would say like Sinope. It's got a... Um, sometimes it's just with no E, and then it's just like Sinope. 
So, you know, today that's in Turkey. So I think they call it some kind of a Turkish type of language. On the north coast of Turkey, fairly close to Ankara, yeah, right? Yeah, Ankara is more in the center there, if you see on the map. It's right on the it's dead center in the middle south of the Black Sea. All right. Pops out a little. It's a little. So it was founded, they say actually it could be refounded um, in six thir- around 630 BC by colon- colonists from Miletus. Miletus started a lot of colonies, I believe. And Miletus is such a powerful Greek city. Situated on the west coast of Turkey, it's a troublemaker too, isn't it? How the, the tro- didn't the Trojan War sort of get started from because of Miletus? Oh, they they are in for a rough time in the yeah. future as well. So anyway, these guys uh, started a colony there. So if you measure it by land, it's about eight hundred and thirty-four kilometers, which is five hundred and twenty miles. I think they would have got there by sea though, because they could go through the Bosphorus there. So you basically where Europe meets. Asia, you know, go around and then yes. right on that big old Black Sea there. What's up with the refunding? Oh, the refunding? I mean, how could you, a city like that in that area of Turkey, 630 BC, that's it. There's probably been something there for 10,000 years, honestly. So, um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, it probably was a Hittite port named Sinua until the, until the uh, Bronze Age collapse. Could have been something before then too. I mean, civilization's been there for twelve thousand years, but it um, it does become a later on. It becomes an important link, you know, from the Greeks. They found their own cities. You know, this whole Black Sea area. There's a lot of trade going on, and then through the Bosphorus. So the Greeks, I think, just wanted to you know get their own get their foot in the door there, so to speak, and get started. Because the we think the Assyrians also had used it as a port too, which would you know they're not sure they're trying to find out from archaeology but it would make sense i mean the assyrians if we're there yeah but the assyrians are lousy seafarers so there's probably an incentive to build the port there to take some assyrian trade over the exactly sea. even they, they probably just you know if we see how they handled like the little you know the little the phoenician type the phoenician countries and that little island i think arvad i think they let the people do the port business but they tell them if you don't do it the way we say you know we'll flay you and all that kind of stuff but this is fairly fairly far from Assyrian influence, right? You have the Lydians and uh, uh, your favorite guy. Yeah, guy just you do, and even the Cimmerians may have used it as a port at some point. They say maybe a division of Cimmerians may have been stationed there. Not, I don't know if Cy- the Cimmerians divided themselves up in special divisions, but um, it's also it's to the uh, north though of Tabal. Remember Tabal? Isn't that where Sargon got killed? Sargon, was, wasn't he killed in Tabal? I would think that is pretty far south, considering how much mountains... There are, but it's funny that you mentioned, because in that area, the, re- the name of the city, Sinope, is because of an... They exported a mineral called... Now it's called Sinope as well. And it came from Tabal. So they mine it there, and then they bring it up north to the port, and that's where it exports from. Okay. This is when we know it from, you know, the Greek times. But, I, I mean, if they had that mineral, it's, it's, isn't it crazy how humans just love red, like, dye? You know, like that red ochre was always a popular thing and that kind of thing. So, oh, It's a great color. It's a red earth pigment called Sinopia, and it was mined in, in Tabal, which became Cappadocia. I always like that word, Cappadocia. <laughs> it's like central Turkey. And we have, like, where I live, we ha- kind of have a stuff like that. When they used to mine coal, where I'm from, 
they there's iron now also in the mines, and then the, this iron ore comes out and it gets into the river, and then because it gets air and stuff in it, it, it rusts. So it's like this rusty color, and the the river's like loaded with it. And you could, I actually tie dyed shirts with it before. Wow. But this Sinope stuff too, it was it was used throughout the Renaissance too. So there's actually a museum in right near the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The, it's called the Museum of Sinopi. That's plural in Italian for Sinope. And what they would do with this stuff um, is paint. So if you can do a painting, you would use this stuff first to sort of sketch it out. And they sometimes do it on frescoes, and they would use this this you know this brown color stuff to paint, and then then they would paint fill in the painting afterwards. So you know these Greeks, man, they're like they're good marketers. You know they they get this stuff. They call this Sinope. They have the city. They package it. Oh, they even had a seal for it. Um, that so you knew it was a genuine product, and it shipped it all over the ancient world, and then eventually all over you know into the Middle Ages and everything. Nice. There's also some legendary stuff from this area. You know, like yeah. Oh, well, you no. know Europa. Yeah, but you know, like the Greek myth of Europa. Tell me. Like, okay, I had to remember, look it up and remember, because it was one of those things you forgot. So Zeus at one time, so let's say around 1500 BC, and so um, there's this guy, um, Phineas. His, he was the son of the king of Tyre. And so his sister is Europa, and she was playing out in the field with their, you know, other young maidens or whatever, and Zeus saw her and, of course, loved her and fell in love with her and yada yada. So he turned himself into, a like, a nice tame bull, and she came and pet the bull, and then she got on the bull. She decided she wanted to ride the bull, so she got on the bull to ride it. And he immediately jumped in the ocean and swam all the way to Crete. <laughs> wow, Zeus, what a dirty bastard. So according to the legend, Phineas and his uh, four brothers uh, departed their Phoenician home and, you know, in search of their sister. And Phineas, he gives up his search in eastern Thrace. So that's kind of near where we are, but more towards the eastern side. And then um, then he settled there, started a city of his own, and then his four sons found a kingdoms along the coast there. So one of those... W- weren't they his brothers? No, no, his sons. His brothers, his other brothers went other places. His Later on, his okay. sons, and one of his sons, you know, by legend, would have been in this area, in Sinope. And this got a history, though. The Strabo, Strabo says the people of this region fought the Trojan War on the side of the Trojans. And then, as like seems like everybody who from everywhere in the West was, eventually, was originally a Trojan, these guys supposedly migrated to Italy and became the Veneti tribe, meaning like Venice. If you remember, we had some other people that okay, I- uh, supposedly migrated to northern Italy after the Trojan War. No, yeah, but I mean, like, from way back then, it was one of, we covered it, there was one... Somebody. I forget who it was now. <laughs> it's the, the Trojans themselves that become the Romans uh, when uh, Virgilius tries to uh, merge every story. Must be some history based in that where they, I don't know. I won't be. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> DNA evidence, I. We need the DNA evidence. I and I have that joke. We laugh about all the DNA stuff. Some people are. Anyway, yeah, it's good stuff. So some, so... Let me tell you about this place, how it got started here. Also, how the Greeks, I mean, ended up getting there. No, that's actually, I know exactly how the Greeks got there in, in the next colony. This one, we, as far as we know, they came in through the, uh, you know, the, through the Bosphorus. The, um, the climate is nice there. I could see why they'd want to go. It's got, it has a, sub, a humid subtropical climate, warm summers, an average daytime high of 
26 degrees Celsius, which is 79 degrees Fahrenheit, and temperatures rarely exceed 30 degrees Celsius, or 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Winters are cool and wet, with the average February temperature just below 7 degrees Celsius, 45 degrees Fahrenheit, which is not too bad for winter compared to... Sounds great. We have minus 7 degrees Celsius And 7 right in Sweden, they, they, in winter, you guys probably put your suntan lotion on, right? Yes, and all the sort of restaurants have tables outside. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's like I... Swedes really want to sit outside when they can. Totally get it. It's similar here, although the climate change is starting to get a little warmer. It's uh, I was funny. When I was traveled and I went to Sicily in like maybe, you know, this was years ago, but it might have been, say, May. And I was, I mean, we were on the beach and there was people walking around in coats. <laughs> so it depends on where you grow up, <laughs> what you're used to. So... um that city, that's that. There's nobody in. You know how I always like to say, "Oh, this guy came from there. That guy came from there." Not really. Nobody really too famous came from there. So it was all uh, just red color that came from there. So this area is called Paphlo- Paphlagonia. Paphlagonia. Oh yeah, like Patagonia. It's Paphlagonia. So it's kind of like the city is Sinope, but the area is that. It's a, it is an ancient region, and it's it is mountainous and rugged. There's some fertile valleys where they could grow stuff. But the funny thing is it says the inhabitants were often regarded as ungovernable barbarians. Now the Greeks came and I guess, covered them. But it sounds great. You have the mountains protecting you. You have some fertile valleys and then you just come by sea and go by sea. The, I guess the way for the miners to come up with their, with their Sinope and then ship it in the ships. It's a good little gig going there. A good work, Sinope. Yeah, good work. I love when you say that. <laughs> Good work, Sinope. Well, we're going to move all the way over now to Sicily. So, and these these two, there's two more colonies that were founded um, in Sicily for this podcast. And they're both Greek, but they both came from other Greek colonies in Sicily. So it wasn't one of these where they came from Greece. And so now these colonies are even expanding. It's kind of like a, a spreading pandemic. Yeah, it is. I guess that's probably how the locals felt about it. <laughs> now it's a spreading pandemic. It's really interesting, the Sicily. Sicily is sort of like, you know, it's this. they started colonizing it in the 700s BC. Uh, the Greeks and um, the Carthaginians, too, fight, kind of fighting over it. Well, they will start fighting over it. It becomes a big contention. But they're like... They're like, sort of like natives, you know, like the Native Americans and this clash of cultures, you know, these more civilized, to so to speak, Greeks come in and move in. And these, this, um, they're called like sickles. There's different kinds of, that were local, you know, indigenous to Sicily. Genetically and archaeologically, they're all the same, but there was like three tribes. But anyway, it must have been quite a clash of cultures, right, at the time. Sort of like our own, you know, when they found the New World. Yeah, they, they're used to Phoenicians from earlier, but they are fairly easy to have uh, in your area. They're just yeah. a trading colony. But the Greeks are a whole nother matter. Yeah, good point. So this this colony is called Himera, the first one. And the thing is, we sort of, we said I had this, that's 630, but it might not be 630. But, you know, these things are murky. Could have been in the 640s, but we didn't talk about it in the 640s, and we like to try to clear things up, so... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's around the same time here. Yes. So like I said, way back in the 700s, the Greeks had started colonizing Sicily. And around 730, they founded the city of Zankel, which is Z-A-N-C-L-E. That's modern day Messenia. That's all the way on the right, so that's on the uh, on the east coast, Sicily. This um, the east northeast, and this Hemera is like right in the center on the north. All this, the scholars agree that Hemera was a colony of Zanko, you know Messina. But Thucydides tells us that emigrants from Zanko also mingled with a bunch of Syracusian exiles, resulting in a city with Chalcidic institutions and a Doric dialect. I'm not super up on the... I mean, I know there was a huge difference in the Doric Greeks and the Ionian Greeks and the Archaic Greeks. Obviously, it was a big political thing for hundreds of years. This city was sort of a mix. It's kind of cool. So it's got to be in the 640s that this was founded. It was the first Greek settlement in this part of the island, and this became a strategic outpost just outside the eastern boundary where the Carthaginians controlled the west side. So this is sort of like on a border. So, because Hemera commanded the sea lanes, sea lanes along the north coast of the island, as well as the major land route leading south across the island. So, so it's funny, like I say, when you look at these pictures of them, you got to really look at the terrain. So, if there's a, a nice route goes from Hemera to the south, well, that becomes an important place. Are you familiar with the name of this city, Hemera? No, I wasn't. Well, I wasn't. I'm pro- we probably both have heard about it at some point and forgot, you know. But um, and if we get to the four to four eighties, there's a huge battle in Hemera, biggest you know initial battles between the Greeks and the Carthaginians, and it's called the Battle of Hemera. I'm not gonna like go totally into it. I'm hoping we get there, but that is a huge battle. It's like three hundred thousand, they say, you know, Carthaginians, and they they actually came from the next colony we're gonna talk about and moved their way up to this one, and there was a humongous battle, and it was right around the same time as the the Persians were invading Greece. So, and throughout, then later on, they, the, it's probably didn't happen at the same time, but they made it like a, a legend or, you know, that 
they were both fought at the same time. In other words, the Greeks beat the Carthaginians this day, and they beat the Phoenicians, I'm sorry, the Persians on the other day. That's kind of cool. I now realized why I haven't heard of Hymera. It's called something else. Uh, it was destroyed by the Carthaginians later that in 408 BC. So it's not there during the Roman times, which is, of course, what I know. Uh, you know, this if we could get if we get that far, I don't even. It's going to be a lot of a lot of information because this the Carthaginians and the Greeks battling over Greece. I'm sorry, battling over Sicily was quite a story. There's like video games on it. I remember watching a, like a YouTube video of like people playing strategy games of you know conquest of Sicily. And it's all sadly going to end with the Romans I know. taking everything. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> So true. But wait, I just want to mention why, because I was the, the History of Greece podcast really opened my eyes to this. During the time of the Persian Wars, there was a lot going on in this battle, particularly going on in Sicily. And the Persians were like pumping up the Carthaginians to attack the Greeks there so that they couldn't get any of the Greek mercenaries to fight them again. And they, the Greeks still kicked everyone's butt. <laughs> There's something else. So that's the end of that one. We have one more colony. Go ahead. And it's all. It's also in Sicily. Now, this one we do think was founded around 630, and it's called Selinus, Selinus. And it was founded from also from uh, colonists from Sicily, and they were from Megara Hablia, which is on the bottom right. So that will be on the south um, east. And it's funny, they're around the same time. They, and this one is, this colony is like in the heart of like Carthaginian territory and native territory. So this was a... This was probably a contentious place. It became one of the most important colonies again, too, because it was on the mouth of a river and it was, you know, connected those two, those two, you know, the other to Hamera. So, according to Thucydides, it was founded by, you know, Megara under this guy named Pamelus, and we don't, I don't know anything about Pamelus. So this is another hundred years after the foundation of the other city, their mother city, same as the last one. You know, it's about a hundred years later. It's like five generations, their colonists are coming up, going around, you know, setting up another one. Yeah, and they're really pushing the Carthaginians' borders. And you figure they were probably there for a couple hundred years, and they're thinking like, all right, what are you guys doing? Yeah, there's there's the difference of their the nature of their colonization, that Phoenicians are much less intrusive. Right, right, correct. So this one, yeah, 630. So the name of the colony, the name of the city there is supposedly derived from Um, wild celery that grew on this spot and then they eventually adopted the celery leaf as a symbol on their coinage there <laughs> okay so i mean that's what we know about it you know at the time we're talking but a little history and a little for what happens in the future um the phoenicians don't really they call them the phoenicians right the carthaginians the phoenicians don't really have conflict with the greeks yet um they let them stay for a while but around 580 They started a battle with the non-Greeks called the um, the Elimian people, which have a little city and a territory near there. So they were the natives, right? And but these Elimian people, apart from mythological tales, we don't really know much about them. But um, after the Greeks started coming in, they really appear to have adopted many aspects of Greek culture. And they even um, there's even a, a, a remarkable temple that they that they. A Greek-style temple in this city. It's called Segesta. That were the, this Segesta and our um, colony here, Salinas. They Salinas. They um, fight each other for a long time. <laughs> um, but they actually, these people, these locals, actually learned the Greek 
um, alphabet. They started using the alphabet, but no one has deciphered their language yet. So that's um. So they they write their own alphabet, their own language correct. in the Greek alphabet, but we still can't read it. That just goes to that. That means their language was so different. There's no Indo, you know what I mean? We can't even find a like a common. That's really amazing when you think about it. This didn't make it either because on four four oh nine they got sacked too. I, I wonder if it uh, were the Greeks that thought it was the Greek alphabet could it could easily have been the Phoenician alphabet. True. Which is the father of the Greek alphabet? If they have good relations with the Carthaginians, they do. They they actually so so this you know the do you remember you might remember this because I, I had to look it up again but I do remember it. Remember they the um the disastrous Sicilian ex um, expedition by Athens during the Peloponnesian War. So this is this colony is this place is how it kind of got started because the Selenians. Um, I'm sorry, the Selenians, yes, and that other, you know, the Elamites, the Elimians, whoever argued with each other, these Elimians allied with Carthage and Athens, and they talked Athens into coming and, you know, kicking their butts over here, but then Athens went somewhere else, and then they lost their whole fleet and everything. It killed the general, if I recall correctly. And then, um, so that was 415 BC around then, So, but by 409, they got the Carthaginians to attack it, and they sacked it really good. I mean, I've read it was destroyed, but then finding out, you know, it's still there and stuff like that, but they really, you know, ransacked it pretty good. So that was... But we'll get to that maybe in about 200 episodes. 200 episodes. So the Olympians really didn't like Salinas. Yeah. It's like you said. They they know the Greeks are a little bit more intrusive than they... But they must have, you know, it's like anything. Some of them probably did like them, and some didn't, and... Probably like the plays. I love the fact that they were using Greeks against Greeks. The Greeks are always fighting against Greeks. They're Greeks fought in the Persian Wars, didn't they? So, oh yes. But I mean, that's pretty much all we got for these three colonies. Well, that's good. I think what we got, but that's the end of the six thirties. We're gonna have to, you know, get into the six twenties. Yes, and that will be very interesting. Surely there will be more Greek colonies, but we'll also have the fall of the empire. We will. And you know what? I want to mention this book that I'm reading to the readers, and I'm going to try to get the, see if I can hold the author. His name is Paul M. M. Cooper, and the book is called All Are Our... Oh, I knew I was going to forget it. <laughs> All Are Forgotten Idols. Wait, I'm going to look it up. I'll go fix that. But it's it's amazing. It's like... It's a it's actually a well-written novel and it takes place in the time of Ashurbanipal. And you know a lot of times these historical fiction they could be really crappy and tacky. Either they're like a good written book or they don't have good history. Well, this one is really good. I was amazed. And it, I mean, he talks about like there's a part in there where they're they're like they have Tuman's head, right? And they're like using it as a model. To, they literally have his head in the book. So you can tell the guy did his research, but then it also has a you know time in the present where there there's an archaeologist digging up stuff in um, Iraq in Mosul, and I'm only halfway through the book, and there's a lion involved and Ashurbanipal, and it's really good. Sounds interesting. Well, I'm going to tell you the name of it right now. I'm going to look it up. Tell me. I am going to tell you. It's on my Google Play books. It's all. Our Broken Idols by Paul M. M. Cooper. It's a really, I'm telling you what, anybody who listens to this podcast and likes and reads a book, reads books and likes the Assyrian Empire, this book is really good. So, All Our Broken Idols. Drop a link on the Facebook to it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I will. I will do that. And the fate, please check out our Facebook. I've been getting messages on Facebook. I've been posting some cool stuff. So hope you guys enjoy it. Also remember our Patreon, patreon.com. Search for Fano History if you like this show and want it, and <laughs> if you want to keep it going. We need your help. Yes. Send us some money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's great though. We appreciate it. Ingots of gold because we don't have coins. Yet. Yeah, we'll take camels. <laughs> no, no, no camels. Wait, let me remember to say this now so I can remember to bring it up after too. But the, I've been thinking about the camels and the Syrian Empire and inflation and the collapse of the empire eventually. You know, like they didn't understand inflation, but I wonder, you know, if that also had a part, a big thing to do with it. If they all had this rampant, you know, um, economic collapses because they had all this inflation and stuff. You know, you never know what other factors played in. Are you blaming the fall of the empire on camels? Yes, I am. <laughs> I Yesterday I recorded an episode of my pandemic podcast which is about historic pandemics. Mm-hmm. And I covered MERS, uh, Middle East Respiratory Oh, yeah, MERS, yeah, yeah. Which comes from camels. Aha, see? They're so. at it again. Exactly. And one last thing, I, I watched a movie, Synchronic, last night, and I thought this was a funny line. The guy, he, you kind of go back into time, and every time you go back in time, it's like crazy. You know, they're getting killed and stuff, and the guy comes back and he's recording, he goes... I learned this. The past sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot harder in those days. <laughs> sure was. And we'll learn more about that in our next episode. We shall. More nerdy history to come, guys. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Bernie. See you later, Dan. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.